Hello and welcome to the International Soccer Preview by Canada Soccer Files. I'm Kevin. And I'm Kiera. Today we are doing Group J of African Cup 2023 qualifying, which is already underway. Yes, it is. And uh, we actually did a series on teams uh, and players, actually, of the uh, 2021 African Cup. Um, that was in January 2022. So we'll be changing our format a little bit as a result. Uh, rather than repeating what we podcasted there, we'll be providing a link in the show notes as well as the time at which at which each team is discussed in the podcast. So uh, interested listeners can go to soccerfiles.captivate.fm or just type in soccerfiles, that's uh, soccerfiles with a PH in the middle and an S at the end. If you type in soccerfiles Canada, uh, will definitely come up and then you can find the show notes uh, on the website. So we'll repeat that address at the end. Yeah, so that information will be a more detailed World Cup overview and a detailed look at the finals of the African Cup tournaments, which we'll cover only briefly here. Um, this podcast will be focusing on African Cup qualifying campaigns and recent history. And then for teams that weren't covered in the earlier set of podcasts, we'll give a more complete history here. Right. So the teams that were covered in uh, in the earlier set of podcasts were Tunisia and Equatorial Guinea. So, um, yeah, so uh, you can find the links for those. Let's look at the three sections that we're going to cover in this podcast. So part one, we'll begin with a look at who's in the group, what pot they came from, and some geographical information about each country. Right, and then part two is the main the main uh, part of this podcast and the longest, a team-by-team -team overview uh, with a quick review of their participation and major achievements, uh, an overview of their African Cup history uh, and World Cup history if they haven't been done before. And uh, this one features a deep dive into African Cup qualifying history. And then we'll end with a quick look at their players and a summary uh, and try to give a sense of their recent form. And then in part three, we'll end with a comparison of the teams through head-to-head -head meetings and their FIFA and ELO rankings. And this will launch us into a discussion of their prospects and our predictions. Um, and then we can check how accurate we are by checking the first two sets of the six-set qualification, which took place in June. Um, so I know the results, but Kevin doesn't. So he'll be able to make predictions and then we'll we'll check them out. Yes, I've been uh, I've been keeping myself uh, spoiler free here uh, for the sake of this podcast. Uh, yeah, and at the end we'll kind of cover the uh, uh, website address and the information again uh, for the links. So I am wearing a, a Canada shirt um, because three of the teams have uh, red in their color. Uh, it gives me a chance to wear my red Canada shirt. Nice. Yeah, this is just kind of covering the fact that I don't actually have any African team shirts. Yeah, I've been to Botswana, but I didn't get a shirt there. So. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, I should have uh, given you some money and asked you to try to find shirts. Oh, my goodness, the telephone is ringing. I think that's uh, Canada's Alphonse Davies phoning me. He's uh, kind of on my case about uh, being his agent. And, uh, I'll just uh, put that aside. Okay, let's take a look at the uh, teams then. So we have uh, Tunisia from pot one uh, and Equatorial Guinea from pot two and uh, Libya from pot three 
and Botswana from POP4. And you're going to give us some geographical information about those countries? Yeah. So starting with Tunisia, um, this is the smallest of the North African countries, um, with being about 163,000 square kilometers. So that's the 35th um, largest in Africa. And it has a population of 11.8 million as of 2020. So the 30th um, largest in Africa. All right. Now moving on to Equatorial Guinea. Yeah, Equatorial Guinea is a lot smaller at only 28,000 square kilometers. So that's 44th. Um, in Africa, and has a population of 1.51 million um, as of 2021, so 47th. Okay, a pretty That's small country there. there. Uh, uh, Libya. Libya, we jump to the other end of the spectrum as being one of the largest um, by geographical size at uh, 1,759,000 square kilometers. So that's the fourth largest in Africa with a population um, of 7 million as of 2021, so 35th largest. Right, so a big country, not a huge population. Mm -hmm. And uh, finally, Botswana. Yep, Botswana um, is 581,000 square kilometers, so 22nd in Africa, uh, with a population of 2.4 million as of 2021, so 43rd um, in terms of population. All right, and um, we've thrown out a lot of numbers there, so we'll just do a kind of a comparison. So Libya is uh, by far the biggest country in size. Uh, and next is Botswana, which is about three times smaller than Libya, and uh, Tunisia, which is uh, about three times smaller than Botswana, and then uh, Equatorial Guinea is uh, quite small, uh, much smaller even than Tunisia. In terms of population, uh, Tunisia is the most populous country at around 12 million, and next comes Libya at 7 million, uh, Botswana at two and a half million and Equatorial Guinea at one and a half million. So uh, all uh, fairly small in Africa in terms of population compared to the big countries. Uh, are we ready to move on to Tunisia? Yeah, let's do it. Right. Can you tell us their nickname? So their nickname is Les Aigles de Carthage or the Eagles of, Car of Carthage. Although um, the Carthagian Eagles is also used in English. Yeah, I think I've heard that one uh, a little bit more. Okay, well, let's uh, take a look at their uh, participation and achievements. So Tunisia is a fairly senior team in Africa, joining World Cup qualification in 1962. Uh, they withdrew in 1966 as part of the Asian-African boycott that many nations took part in. But uh, otherwise, they participated consistently. And they joined the African Cup the same year, 1962, but they've withdrawn from four cups. Uh, they withdrew, um, let me see, between uh, 1968 and 1974, and then once again in 1980. Otherwise, they've participated consistently. How have they done, Kiera? Um, in terms of achievement, they have reached the World Cup five times, although they've never made it past the group stage. And they have won one African Cup title in 2004 when they hosted um, and have otherwise finished second twice. All right. Well, we're going to skip the uh, World Cup overview because that was done in the uh, January podcasts uh, this year in 2022. So we will jump uh, just to look at their last campaign in 2022 uh, World Cup qualifying. Mm -hmm. 
So um, they received a buy in rounds one of three. So this is a preliminary round where only the bottom 28 ranked teams have to play. They weren't in those 28, so they got a buy in that first round. Um, they then won all of their home games as well as the game on the road to Zambia, uh, but they tied Mauritania and lost in Equatorial Guinea. Despite this, they were never really in danger and they did finish first in round two of three. And then they round they won the round um, three playoff over Mali, winning on a single goal away and tying scoreless at home. Right, and just to comment on that uh, final playoffs uh, series, the uh, only goal was uh, scored by it was an own goal by uh, a young defender Musa uh, Sissako. He uh, made a strong pass back to his keeper and it went directly in the net. And uh, the poor guy then, four minutes later, uh, received a direct red card uh, in an unrelated play. It may it may have been related in terms of his being flustered, but um, made a red card foul at the top of the box. So uh, uh, kind of a sad, <laughs> a sad um, uh series for for that player mm -hmm. hope hope he overcomes it yeah all right well let's move on to uh the african cup and again we'll kind of skip the african cup overview uh you can uh, check the link in the show notes if you want to review that history and we're going to jump directly to their uh african cup qualifying history in a deep dive so we begin uh, from, uh, we've divided it into three sections here. So we'll begin with kind of the early history from 1962 to 1980. So they first entered the African Cup in 1962 and received a bye in the first round of qualifying uh, when Morocco withdrew. Uh, they lost to Nigeria in the, in the first leg of round two. And in the second leg at home, Nigeria was up 2-1 uh, when uh, Tunisia equalized. Uh, the Nigerians walked off the field feeling that the goal was unfair and believing that the referee was helping Tunisia to win. Uh, so actually Nigeria would have won with a 2-2 draw, which was the score when they walked off. But uh, uh, CAF, the, the um, officiating body in Africa, uh, awarded Tunisia two, a 2-0 win and they advanced to the cup on their first attempt. So uh, 1963 again paired them with Morocco in the first round, and they won 4-1 uh, at home and lost 4-2 uh, away. Uh, so they went through on goal difference there. And they hosted in 1965, so they received uh, automatic qualification. And in 1968, they played two home games in their three-team group but then withdrew uh, before the away games and they didn't enter uh, the next three cups, actually. So that brings them back to the African Cup in 1976 to face Libya uh, in a preliminary round. Uh, both teams won 1-0 at home and Tunisia went through on a penalty shootout. Uh, the campaign looked like it was over when they tied Algeria at home in the first leg but then they won away and advanced to a third round where they won 3-2 at home over Sudan and lost 2-1 away. So uh, 1976 actually seems to be the first year where away goals were used as a deciding criterion and Tunisia was knocked out there. 
on the away goals rule. But they did better in 1978, besting Egypt in round one of qualifying and passing Guinea on the away goals rule to reach their second cup. Uh, in the third place match in the tournament, uh, an interesting thing happened. Uh, Tunisia walked off the field in protest of a Nigerian goal at 42 minutes, uh, claiming the official uh, officiating was unfair. So this was a really ironic reversal of the exact same situation with Nigeria in 1962. Um, and as a result of walking off the field, they were banned uh, for the tournament in 1980. Uh, however, it is listed as a withdrawal, and it seems to be a withdrawal because they were slated to play, play Kenya. Um, so if they were if they were uh, kind of paired with Kenya, it doesn't seem like they were banned. So the history is a bit fuzzy on this, but regardless, they didn't play in the 1980 tournament, uh, which actually, in a final irony, uh, was held in Nigeria. Um, All right, so the second section deals with 1982 to 2000, and Pierre is raring to go. Yeah, so they returned in 1982 and bested Senegal in round one of qualifying. They received a bye in round two when Egypt withdrew, um, to qualify for their third tournament. Uh, but they would not succeed again until 1994. In 1984, they beat Rwanda twice in round one, but were knocked out by Egypt in round two. And then in 1986, um, they didn't even get that far, ousted by Libya on goal difference in round one of qualifying. They failed in 1988 at the hands of Algeria and lost both legs to Senegal in 1990. 1992 saw the cup expanded to 12 teams and... Um, the standard of group rather than knockout round qualification. Uh, a solid undefeated campaign in 1992 left them tied on top with Egypt, but their inferior goal difference left them just short of the cup. 1994, however, began an unbroken record of successful qualification, beginning with automatic qualification by dint of hosting. Uh, however, their general weakness prevailed as they failed to pass the group stage and only from 1996 did they become a strong team. 1996 saw them finish atop a 16 qualification group, losing only in second place Liberia, um, which saw them through to the cup. Now expanded to 16 teams, where they finished second. 1998 was an easy qualification as Central African Republic withdrew and halfway through qualification, Sierra Leone also withdrew, leaving only themselves and Guinea both advancing to the cup. 2000 saw them winning all games except for a final loss in Liberia. All right, um, that is the middle period. And then the final section is 2002 to uh, current times. So 2002 was far less convincing, losing both games to Morocco and going winless on the road. Second place, however, proved good enough there. In 2004, they hosted and qualified automatically. And uh, this time they won the tournament as hosts. Uh, 2006 was the first time that defending champions uh, didn't qualify automatically. Rather, entry was based on performance in their 2006 World Cup qualifying campaign. And uh, that was the same in 2010. On that basis, though, Tunisia qualified uh, easily both times. Uh, in between, in 2008, they started poorly with an opening tie uh, against Mauritius in Mauritius. Uh, they won all games uh, after that, though, except for a final loss in Sudan. 
Uh, the unlikely Sudan ended up winning the group, but the Tunisia nevertheless advanced in second. After advancing again through World Cup results in 2010, they were outperformed by an even more unlikely team, uh, Botswana. Um, they lost the opening game at home. This is 2012, uh, sorry. Uh, they lost the opening game at home to Botswana, and it was their only road loss. Uh, but they also tied Mali, uh, sorry, not Mali, Malawi twice, but won all games with Chad and Togo for a second-place finish. Uh, which luckily was an advancing spot that year. 2013 was a shortened qualification with all participants of the 2012 Cup advancing to the third round of qualification. So in uh, the third round, they faced Sierra Leone, but they really made a meal of it, tying away and then uh, at home and advancing only on the away goals rule in 2013. 2015 also saw them receive buys to round three, but this time round three was a group stage and a tough one with Senegal, Egypt and Botswana again. Uh, normally a weak team, but as we saw, they beat them uh, twice in uh, 2010. I'm a bit confused there whether it's 2010 or 12, but um, let me just check. Uh, Botswana was 2012. Anyway, they seem to struggle with Botswana, who they meet here, actually. Um, uh, but it was an excellent performance in that tough group, uh, winning all games except for ties in Senegal and uh, for Botswana's only point of the game of the campaign, uh, Tunisia tied them in Botswana. Uh, 2017 had far easier opponents, and their only loss was to Liberia, uh, another weak team that has troubled them in the past. Uh, it was an easy first place in 2017, though, and uh, let's see if they've been keeping up that consistent record over the last two campaigns. So um, in the 2019 campaign, they had a solid qualifying, um, dropping points only in Egypt on an injury time goal, but ultimately proving the more consistent team. They finished first in the qualifying group ahead of Egypt, Niger, and Eswatini, uh, whose name changed from Swaziland during that campaign. Uh, however, they were unimpressive in the group stage, managing only draws with Angola, Mauritania, and Mali, and therefore finished second in the group stage behind Mali. They also tied Ghana in regulation, giving up an own goal in injury time, uh, but one on penalties. They easily beat upstarts Madagascar, but lost an extra time to Senegal in the semifinals and then to Nigeria to finish in fourth place. All right. So uh, going quite far in that tournament. And I'll just uh, say in that semifinal with Senegal, uh, both teams missed penalties in the second half uh, before um, Senegal scored the extra time winner uh, 10 minutes into extra time there. So pretty, pretty competitive campaign there. How about 2021? Um, so in 2021, they had a commanding performance in qualifying, suffering only a draw in Tanzania, who finished third, uh, but winning all games against second place Equatorial Guinea and surprise bottom finishers Libya, who were seated second. So they finished first in the qualifying group, seven points ahead of second. In the tournament, they lost to Mali in their opener, an odd game uh, where the referee ended the game early and then 
kind of recognized his mistake and restarted the game and then ended it early again to Tunisia's disadvantage as they were they were pushing for a goal. Um, they then went on to beat Mauritania, but then lost to Gambia on a late goal, which was in part caused by confusion only a wrongly over a wrongly given red card. Yeah, poor Tunisia. Uh, you mentioned that first game where the final whistle was blown twice uh, early, and actually, uh, just as a as a finisher to that, the uh, the officials uh, after realizing the mistake tried to bring both teams out onto the field and. Mali came out, but Tunisia, I think maybe they were upset at how things went. Uh, they were going to appeal the game, but lost the appeal. Uh, they claimed they were in their ice bath. Uh, the players were in an ice bath so that they, they couldn't come uh, back out onto the field. And actually, in between those two whistles, he also gave uh, a harsh red card to a Mali player. So um, they later explained the referee had heat stroke and that, that was the reason for his behavior. And then in game three, um, in game three, there was a bit of confusion uh, uh, late in the game where um, a player got a second yellow card and then a red card. Uh, the problem is he hadn't received a first red card, or sorry, a first yellow card. So uh, I was kind of scratching my head while I was watching, um, figuring out what was going on. Uh, and it wasn't much later that uh, Gambia kind of snatched a, a, a goal, um, the only goal of the game. So <laughs> Tunisia had a pretty rough time in the uh, group stage, but um, uh, they made it through. They also were awarded three penalties during that group stage, and they missed all of them. So probably something Tunisia wants to put behind them. Yeah, what a what a crazy group stage. Yeah, and yeah, they're definitely hard done by. Um, but the reactions also didn't inspire much sympathy. Um, but as you said, they did advance as a third place finisher in the group stage. Um, from there, they went on to beat a well-performing Nigeria in the round of 16. Yeah, this time they were a bit lucky because uh, Nigeria took a, a fairly a fairly harsh red card at 66. It didn't seem like a red card foul, but uh, Tunisia being so defensive made it difficult for Nigeria, who'd been performing well, to uh, come back from the one-goal deficit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Tunisia did move on to the quarterfinal, and that was where they lost to Burkina Faso. Um, and actually, all their games, except the one against Mauritania, were decided by a single goal. Yeah, yeah, a very defensive team uh, is Tunisia. All right, well, thanks for that, and we'll move on to a quick look at their players. So, uh, we have a, a kind of looking at their scorers over the the last um, of the campaign since 2019. And is anything jumping out at you there, Kiera? Yeah, two names are standing out as their main scorers, um, Wabi Kazri and Yusef Msakni. Yeah, uh, Yusef Msakni, he's been around for a long time. He's their captain and... Uh, he has 85 caps and, and not a huge scorer. He is a forward, but he only has uh, 17 goals for them. But he's a, a fairly uh, uh, outstanding player for them. And then uh, Wabi Kasri, um he has uh, 69 caps and 24 goals. So uh, more of a scorer uh, for them. But both of them are getting a bit older. Uh, but they, they have a ton of players um uh, to choose from. About a third of them play in uh, Tunisia. 
and then uh, a third of them maybe in other African countries like Egypt, uh, Saudi Arabia or Kuwait. Um, and then a third of them playing for uh, not top teams in, in Europe, but um, uh, teams like Cannes in France or um, I'm just trying to find another one, like Brondby in Denmark. So so kind of... Uh, um, second-tier teams in, in uh, Europe. The exception to that actually is a guy called Hannibal Medjbri. He's only 19 years old, and he's got 16 caps. Uh, he actually was the guy who received the uh, second yellow card and red card, having not received the first card. It was kind of funny because he was bombing around the field, chasing the ball, launching himself into players. I was impressed with the guy. And he's with uh, Manchester United. So he was expected to make a big splash in that 2021 World Cup. He made more of, of a small splash, I would say, but an exciting player uh, coming up for them. All right, let's move on to a summary and then uh, a look at their recent form. So in summary, uh, Tunisia has had three peaks. Uh, one at the beginning of their career uh, in the mid-60s, where they finished in the top three in two of the, their three African Cup appearances. Uh, the next was around the year 1978, uh, where they both reached, actually not around that year, in that year, where they both reached the World Cup and took fourth place in the African Cup. And then around the turn of the century, uh, when they qualified for three World Cups in a row and won the African Cup as host in 2004. But they've had a really long, flat period. Uh, sorry, they had a long, flat period from the mid-60s to the mid-90s, uh, with 1978 being the single year of success there. And in recent times, they've continued to qualify for the African Cup, and they remain competitive in World Cup qualification, but they haven't uh, gone beyond the quarterfinals of the African Cup since 2004, uh, uh, until they finally did in 2019. Uh, and with two World Cup qualifications in 2018 and um, 2022 now, maybe this is their fourth strong period. Uh, but I'll let you talk a little bit about their form there. Yeah, so even between the 2004 and, and 2019, they weren't weak like they had been in the previous century. Um, they did regularly reach the quarterfinals of the African Cup. Um, but given that that was their ceiling and that they hadn't reached the World Cup since 2006, it still made this an unglorious period. Um, breaking that ceiling with a fourth place finish in 2019 and two successful World Cup qualifications is an improvement in form. Added to this is a second place finish in the reinvigorated Arab Cup in 2021, um, which promises to become a fairly major competition. And so the future is boding well. Yeah, I mean, actually, they're doing well, uh, considering that they're a, a fairly small country uh, among the North African countries. So they are a lot smaller than, uh, say, Egypt and Algeria. So um, actually, they're doing quite well. All right, that brings us to the end of Tunisia, and we move on to uh, Equatorial Guinea, uh, starting with a nickname. Yeah, so their nickname uh, is the National Lightning, um, and or also the National Sparkle. Okay, cool. I like those names. 
Uh, let's take a look at their participation and achievement. So they first entered the World Cup in 2002, uh, quite late there, and have participated consistently. However, uh, they were involved with the African Cup from 1982, uh, although they, excuse me, withdrew in 1982 and didn't complete a first qualification until 1990. Uh, and then their second qualification run was in 2000, uh, but they've uh, consistently participated since then. Uh, how about their achievement? So they've never reached the World Cup or the final round of qualifying. Um, they have reached two African Cups um, up until 2017, both by hosting. Uh, and they have done well once there, finishing fourth place in 2015. Right. Okay. Well, and uh, we've we've uh, kind of avoided mentioning recent performances because we're going to look at them. So we'll see if they've uh, kind of improved or declined. Uh, and we did cover these guys in uh, January of this year. So if you want a bit more history, you can go back and listen to that podcast. Here we'll just cover their recent campaign for the 2022 World Cup qualifying. So they were among the bottom 28 ranked teams that were required to play in round one of three, which was a preliminary knockout round. Um, their FIFA ranking was 139th, while South Sudan was ranked 169th. Um, they bested South Sudan, but struggled with them more than they should have, tying the first leg away and winning only on a single goal at home. Um, they had a good performance in the round two group um, and were obviously underrated as the four seeded team because they won all of their games at home and their only loss was in Tunisia. Um, they tied Zambia and Mauritania to finish in second place in round two of three. Right. Okay. Well, they seem to have been a bit of a victim of FIFA rankings there. Uh, they don't seem like a pop four team to me, but uh, they came into this tournament as pop two. So uh, they've... Um, kind of uh, uh, improved their lot. Uh, okay, well, again, we're going to skip the overview of African Cup history because that was done in previous podcasts and launch right into our deep dive into uh, African Cup qualifying in detail. So we've divided this into two sections. Uh, 1982 to 2000 is the first one. So Equatorial Guinea first entered in 1982 where they passed a preliminary round by default when Benin withdrew. However, they withdrew themselves in the following round, uh, missing their scheduled games with Guinea. And they didn't enter again until 1988, but they withdrew there too from their preliminary round meeting with Togo. They did complete their first qualification in 1990 though. Uh, they lost 4-1 to Algeria in the first leg, and uh, tied 0-0 in the second. So uh, a good job tying there, but they were knocked out pretty quickly. Uh, they didn't enter the next two cups, and in 1996 withdrew. They were actually one of three teams withdrawing from a 16 qualification group there in 1996. Uh, they didn't enter in 1998, but completed their second qualification in 2000, and they've never missed since. All right, 2000 to 2017, uh, they were knocked out in preliminary rounds, losing both games to Gabon in 2000 and Angola in 2002. 2004 saw their first group qualification, but apart from a home win over Gabon, they lost all games and finished last. 
uh, as we saw earlier, both 2006 and 2010, uh, African Cup qualifying was based on uh, World Cup qualifying results for those years. Um, and uh, they did not do well enough in those campaigns to reach the African Cup. In between, in 2008, though, they had their best campaign to that point, winning all home games and tying Liberia on the road. Uh, second place was a great finish, but that year it wasn't an advancing position, so only top finisher Cameroon went through. In 2012, they co-hosted with Gabon, so they received automatic qualification. And as a participant of the 2012 Cup, they received a bye to the final stage of 2013 qualification. Uh, the procedure was shortened in 2013. Um, and the reason they had a, a cup in 2012 and 2013 was that they were moving to odd-numbered years. But um, uh, instead of making the next one 2015, the African Cup likes to squeeze in as many as they can. Uh, okay, so a quick procedure in 2013, and they fell to Congo DR, losing 4 nothing in the first leg. So they're 2-1 win in the second leg was uh, kind of a Pyrrhic victory. Uh, they also hosted in 2015, which gave them automatic qualification. Uh, but a fourth place finish there, woohoo, did not carry through to 2017, uh, where they were weak. Uh, a home draw with Benin and a home win over South Sudan were the only results there in 2017 but for what it's worth uh, they did finish third ahead of south sudan so looking weak coming into 2019 kiera how did they do uh, in that cup um they gave a disappointing performance in that they did not challenge for second place um they lost twice to madagascar um group winner senegal proved too touch uh, too tough um, but they did twice beat a weaker than expected sudan to finish third in the qualifying group all right. Well, let's see if uh, 2021 is any better. Um, so they came into the 2021 qualifying in the fourth seed, but beat second seed Libya twice. Um, a home win over third place finisher Tanzania proved enough to see them through. Um, they then lost both to Tunisia, who comfortably won the group, um, but Equatorial Guinea finished second in the qualifying group. Um, two of their wins featured late goals. Uh, but they were also victims of a late losing goal in their campaign opener. Yeah, I'll just kind of highlight uh, a thrilling comeback uh, uh, in Libya, who they meet here. That's that's why I want to point it out. Uh, uh, they took the lead in the first half, but Libya scored at uh, 55 and 58, two quick goals to, to regain the lead or to gain the lead. Uh, but then uh, Equatorial Guinea scored two goals in injury time, one at 90 plus one to tie and the other at 90 plus four to snatch the win for the visitors. So I'm sure uh, Libya will be hoping for some payback here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, so in 2021, they did make it to the tournament, um, but there they did lose their opener to Ivory Coast, uh, but beat Algeria and Sierra Leone, all games involving just a single goal to finish second in the group stage with Algeria finishing last. Algeria finishing last, what a shock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, against Sierra Leone, uh, Sierra Leone missed a penalty at 85 minutes. So um, a game 
uh, which had a couple of interesting features. It had a rough uh, middle with six yellow cars given in 16 minutes. And then an odd finish where uh, they awarded um, Equatorial Guinea a penalty. And just as it was about to be taken, they changed their mind and made it a free kick from outside the box, which, uh, as I recall, I think they didn't even bother taking because uh, the, the, they called the game to a close. I'm not sure if that's accurate at the end, but uh, a very uh, exciting finish for a one nothing win over Equatorial Guinea there. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, over Sierra Leone, I should say, in the last game of the group stage. How did the final stages turn out? Um, so they had a scoreless draw in the round of 16 uh, and then beat Mali on penalties. But then they lost to the eventual champion Senegal in the quarterfinals. Wow, that is uh, that is quite a run mm -hmm. for, a, for a team that uh, was struggling to make it to the cup uh, before that. Well, I guess that explains their rise from fourth seed to second seed, hey? Yeah, for sure. Let's take a quick look at their players here. And uh, uh, any names from the scorers list there jumping out at you, Kiera? Yeah, a few. Um, Emilio Insui, um, Pablo Gannett, and Pedro Obiang um, have a number of goals to their names. Yeah. Uh, uh, Emilio Insui has been their scorer for, for uh, a long time. Uh, his name uh, is really closely associated he has, uh, well, they're saying 34 caps here, but I know he has way more than that. Uh, anyway, uh, strangely, though, he was just kind of a substitute uh, in the African Cup. And um, uh, sorry, their, their uh, information is not that good here. So I'll just talk off the top of my head. He was a substitute in the African Cup, which I was really looking forward to seeing him. Uh, again, but uh, it seems like he's kind of aging out. And then uh, I was surprised then to find that he was uh, their co-top scorer in 2022 World Cup qualifying, so kind of wondering uh, why they didn't use him. Uh, but for me, the most outstanding player is is uh, Ivan uh, Salvador. He is he is just such a troublemaker. I have a ton of notes on him. He's, he's all over the field. I call him the gadfly. Uh, because, uh, you know, players are shouting at him from other teams and he just seems a general nuisance, but kind of a guy that you want to have uh, on your team. And then uh, they have uh, several uh, players. Actually, they're at a good point in kind of maturity uh, with their team. I won't go through the players' uh, names, but they mostly play in, in Portugal. Uh, most of them come from Portugal. And uh, a few of them, uh, a lot of them playing in Spain as well, uh, but for smaller teams. So uh, Nsue is probably the most outstanding player, although I don't think he plays for a big team. He played for a second division team in England uh, for a while, but um, uh, they're more of a good team rather than uh, a collection of outstanding uh, players. So they're performing pretty well. Let's move on to a summary uh, and a look at their form. So Equatorial Guinea was very erratic in their participation after their first African Cup entry in 1982, but that settled down in 2000. Uh, they have been a weak team with the exceptions of a solid campaign in 2008 and then two African Cup 
post-group stage finishes, uh, both earned when they were hosting, but nevertheless good achievements. Uh, they did actually earn a bad reputation, uh, accused of recruiting and using ineligible players. Uh, most of their players do come through Portugal, but the complaints actually stem from them using Brazilian players. So they were punished for this in 2015, but then ironically given, uh, ironically forgiven when they became uh, emergency replacement hosts of the tournament. Uh, all is forgiven when you need it. Uh, they were weak after that, but as we've seen, they recently took a jump in form. Yeah, um, a return to weak form after 2015 did suggest that hosting or those questionable recruiting tactics that you mentioned were responsible for the success, but then good campaigns in 2021 and 2022 uh, have been impressively competitive. They reached the African Cup in 2021 and did well again there, as we mentioned earlier. Um, and then they also finished a solid second in their round two of three in their World Cup group, finishing only two points behind the winners, Tunisia. Yeah, so as I said, the, the team maturity seems to be at a good point. So, But the players are getting a little bit old, so uh, it's only a matter of time before they age out, and we'll have to see how they fare after that. Let's move on to our third team, uh, Libya. And uh, what do we have for a nickname? So um, previously, Libya was known as the Greens. Um, but as of 2012, they were often called the Mediterranean Knights. Yeah, there's a bit of confusion on that. Some sources still call them the Greens. So um, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure which uh, is their name. And they haven't been in tournaments. So I haven't heard what announcers are calling them. But anyway, we'll leave that and, and talk about their participation and achievements. So uh, Libya first entered the World Cup in 1966, but withdrew with the African-Asian boycott. So their first campaign was in 1970. Uh, their participation after that was really patchy due to political problems. Uh, they either withdrew from or did not enter five of the next seven competitions. From 2002, though, their participation became consistent. Uh, African Cup participation is a bit less scattered after first entering in 1968. Uh, they missed competitions in 1970, 74, and six tournaments in a row from 1988 to 1998. So uh, uh, I said less scattered, but it actually seems equally patchy. Uh, here too, though, they're consistent in modern times, having entered every edition from 2000 onward. How about uh, their accomplishments? Um, so in terms of achievement, they have never reached the World Cup, uh, but they have reached the final round in almost half of their entries. Uh, their closest approach was in 1986, when they fell just short of reaching the World Cup. In the African Cup, they've reached the finals three times, with a second place finish in 1982, when they hosted, um, that's been their best result by far. Okay. All right. Well, we will take a look at uh, an overview of their World Cup and African Cup history since we didn't cover them in, in January of this year. So let's take a look at the World Cup. Uh, after weak campaigns in the beginning year, they had a competitive qualification in 1986. There they reached round four, the final round of qualification, but that was as close as they would ever come to the World Cup. Uh, in 2002, they reached the final group stage, but they were weak once there. 
They were a bit better in 2006 uh, and actually went undefeated at home, although it was a, a fourth of sixth place finish, fourth place of six. Uh, it would take until 2018 to reach the final round again, but as in 2002, uh, they were weak at that level. All right, so uh, we'll take a look at their most recent campaign in 2022. Mm -hmm. So um, in this 2022 qualifying, they received a bye in round one, which is a preliminary round. So they were not one of the bottom 28 ranked teams that were required to play that knockout round. Uh, then They then started the campaign well, beating Gabon at home and Angola away, um, but lost both to Egypt and ended up with only a home draw with Angola in their last four games to finish tied on points with second place Gabon, uh, but behind on goal difference to finish third in round two of three. Right. Okay. So um, not a great campaign there. Uh, let's take a look at uh, their African Cup history, beginning with an overview. So they've qualified three times for the African Cup uh, in 1982 and twice in 2006 and 2012. Uh, they made the most of it, as Kiera mentioned, uh, in 1982. Did you mention that? Anyway. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, yes, in their accomplishments. Yes, I did talk about that. <laughs> right, so second place in 1982 when they hosted. Uh, but they only reached it in 19, uh, sorry, in 2006 due to a stroke of luck. Uh, I'll explain that when we when we get uh, to the to the qualifying details. Uh, the competition proved too, uh, too rich for them there, though. They earned only a single draw. And in 2012, uh, also featuring a bit of luck, they advanced um, to the finals. And this time they proved a bit more competitive in the finals, but finished third in the group stage. Uh, campaigns were weak after that, but later we'll see if that has continued uh, into their recent runs. So we're going to cover this in uh, in uh, four parts, actually, four kind of shorter parts, uh, beginning with uh, early history, 1968 to 1982. Yeah, so their first entry was in 1982, um, and they were promptly knocked out by Egypt, losing 3-2 away and tying 2-2 at home. Um, they didn't enter in 1970 and 1972, uh, was the same result, knocked as um, before knocked out by Egypt at the first step, this time losing both legs. Um, they withdrew in 1974, forfeiting to Algeria, but returned in 1976 and exchanged one nothing wins with Tunisia in a preliminary round. Um, however, they were knocked out on penalties. Um, they still awaited their first knockout round win. It didn't come until 1978 when they lost both legs to Guinea. Uh, but in 1980, um, they bested Ethiopia in round one. In round two, they lost 3-0 to Algeria in the first leg away. Um, and a one nothing win at home was not enough to prevent them going out on goal difference. 1982 offered them a good opportunity um, through hosting, uh, which, of course, they qualified for automatically. Right. And they took good advantage of that uh, in 1982. So the next uh, section covers from 1982 to 1998. Uh, as we mentioned, they made the most of it, reaching the finals. But that good result didn't do much to improve their qualification runs uh, uh, going forward. They did win the opening leg of... Um, uh, of round one uh, in a two nothing, two one win over Senegal, but they lost one nothing away and went out on the away goals rule. 
1986, they did well to pass the first round over Tunisia, winning 2 nothing away and then holding them to uh, a single goal um, in Tunisia and thereby advanced on goal difference. But uh, in the next round, they went out to Mozambique on penalties. That 1988, uh, sorry, 1988 campaign, that's right, uh, would be their last of the century uh, as they did not compete uh, in their next campaign until 2000. Uh, having been forfeited the preliminary round with Mauritania's withdrawal in 1990, they withdrew from the next round themselves. Uh, they had been scheduled with Tunisia. And they did not enter the next four competitions as the cup expanded to 12 teams in 1992 and 16 teams in 96. Uh, and uh, the other thing that happened while they were away was that the tournament changed from a knockout style qualification to, to a group qualification. All right, so they come back in 2000 and the next uh, section covers 2000 to 2010. Yeah, so even though the tournament had changed a little bit, preliminary rounds still existed, um, and they returned in 2000 to be knocked out in that preliminary, losing both legs to Algeria. In 2002, they were paired with Chad, um, with whom they exchanged 3-1 home wins and won an arduous penalty shootout 8-7, thereby reaching their first group qualification round. Home wins over Sudan and Egypt were their only points, and they finished third ahead of Sudan. Uh, 2004 was stronger. They entered directly into a group and were undefeated at home, tying only Botswana, who they beat away. So they finished second, just one point behind Democratic Republic of the Congo. Um, but agonizingly for them, second place was not an advancing spot. Qualification in 2006 was based on results in World Cup qualification, with the top three in each 16 group um, reaching the cup. Libya had finished fourth, um, but since tournament host Egypt had been in their group, they were given the available spot to reach uh, their second cup. A solid campaign in 2008 saw them undefeated at home again, um, but in third place behind Namibia and Democratic Republic of the Congo. 2010 was also based on World Cup qualification results and third in their group behind Gabon was not good enough for that one. Right. Okay. And the last section deals with 2012 to uh, present. So 2012 was a solid campaign, winning all at home and tying all on the road, uh, but nevertheless finishing behind Zambia. Uh, it could have been another second place heartbreak like 2004, but uh, fortunately for them, the top two second place finishers advanced and uh, their performance was well worthy of reaching this, their third cup. Uh, even though 2013 generously advanced 2012 participants to the third and final round of knockout qualification, uh, they were paired with Algeria and lost both legs. 2015 saw them shamefully knocked out in a preliminary round with Rwanda, tying 0-0 at home but losing 3-0 away. Um, now, this is an interesting story, too. The the scorer of all three of Rwanda's goals uh, was later found to be an ineligible player. I think he was playing under a different name for, for Uganda, if I recall. But uh, um, 
that news, though, that he that uh, he was ineligible, it did uh, disqualify Rwanda from the cup. But the news came too late uh, for for Libya to be reinstated. So uh, a bit unlucky there. Uh, the next campaign in 2017 started off weekly, uh, but with uh, started off weekly, I should say, with three losses, uh, including away to the feeble Sao Tome and Principe. Uh, but they went undefeated after that, tying Morocco uh, at home and winning the last game in Cape Verde. But uh, alas, it only earned them a third place finish and they didn't qualify. So let's see how they've done in their two most recent campaigns. Yeah, so in 2019, um, they had a below par campaign um, hinging on being bested by South Africa. Um, especially losing to them in the final game in their home venue of Tunisia. So they, Libya was playing some home games there um, due to some civil unrest in Libya. Um, they lost twice to group winners Nigeria, um, but twice beat Seychelles to finish third in the qualifying group. Right, Seychelles is a pretty weak competition, so uh, not, not much uh, to speak of there. How about 2021? Let's see if they did any better. Unfortunately not. They had a ghastly campaign, uh, coming in a second seed, but finishing last in the qualifying group. They managed only a home win over Tanzania, but lost all others, including both legs to Tunisia uh, and second place finishers, Equatorial Guinea. Right. And we mentioned uh, we mentioned that loss at home to Equatorial Guinea, where Equatorial Guinea scored two uh, injury time goals to snatch the win. Uh, and we said they'll be looking for revenge here. Mm -hmm. So that does make this tournament uh, a little bit spicier, I guess, this campaign. And um, let's move on to players. Uh, and we have their scorers for the last three qualifying campaigns. Uh, anything uh, worth pointing out there? Yeah, Anis Salto is their top scorer, from what I see. Uh-huh. Yes, he... he uh, he certainly is. Um, he he has uh, 24 games, uh, five goals in 24 games, which is not that impressive. And he's uh, 30 years old. Uh, he's one of actually uh, one of the few players playing outside of uh, Libya. And the ones who play outside of Libya are generally playing with uh, uh, kind of top African uh, clubs. Uh, like uh, he plays for Fuss in um, Morocco, and they have a couple of other players playing for, like, uh, um, Dad Casablanca. I won't mention the names, but in Morocco and Tunisia and uh, and Algeria. And as far as I can see, they only have one player playing uh, in Europe, and that is a 26-year-old uh, Al Musrati, who uh, plays for Braga in, in Portugal. Uh, otherwise, it's uh, African teams and mostly uh, mostly in Libya. I'm not that familiar with the team because they haven't been uh, in a tournament for quite a while. So um, there we have it. Let's move on to a summary and then an overview of their recent form. So uh, they are a stronger team in World Cup campaigns. Uh, going undefeated at home in three campaigns from 2006 to 2014 and being competitive enough to take or challenge for second place. 
2018, though, saw them much weaker and more in line with their African Cup performances, where, after an impressive performance to reach the Cup in 2012, uh, they have not impressed since, finishing third or lower in their group since that time. Yeah, 2014 was their last good campaign, um, and it's been middling to poor performances since. In all group stages since 2014, um, they have finished third, and in 2021, um, finished last behind Tanzania. Right. Okay, so uh, we'll we'll see um, how they do in comparison when we get to the last section. But we have one more team to complete, which is uh, Botswana. And uh, do we have a nickname for them? They are the Zebras. Ah, the Zebras. Okay, and uh, you visited Botswana. What was your impression? I don't know much about it. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, they have the Okavango Delta there, which is just an amazing um, landscape. And, and, you know, true to their name, lots of zebras, lots of elephants, <laughs> amazing wildlife. It's, it's yeah, it was amazing. Great. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize it was as big a country as it is, actually. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of um, grassland, mostly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's how yeah. I envision Yeah, the Delta is kind of grassland and then kind of a, a swampy area at times. And um, uh, okay. yeah, and some desert there too. Right. Yeah, well, obviously it's a big country and you didn't explore the whole place on foot, I imagine. <laughs> no, not <laughs> Okay, let's look at their participation and achievements. They first entered uh, qualifications uh, in 1994 for both the World Cup and the African Cup, and they participated steadily in all competitions, with the one exception of not entering the 1998 World Cup. Um, they do struggle to get past the first round of qualification and World Cup play, and if they reach a group stage, um, they finish in the bottom half, though usually with some points. Um, staying off the bottom of their African Cup group has proven difficult, uh, but they surprised with a successful qualification in the 2012 African Cup. All right, we'll take a closer look at that uh, shortly. But uh, we are doing a, a World Cup overview and an African Cup overview because we didn't cover them in 2020 uh, in January of 2022. Uh, so World Cup overview, they have improved from being a team that gets knocked out in the preliminary round or finishes at the bottom of a group, to a team that uh, puts up some challenges, though they have fallen back to weakness in recent campaigns. In 2006 World Cup qualifying, they finished ahead of Malawi, uh, and in 2010 they were first in the group until halfway through, having gone undefeated, which included a home draw with Ivory Coast. But uh, sadly, they lost their last three games and finished last. Uh, since then... They're undefeated at home, believe it or not, since 2010, uh, including a win over Mali in the first leg of a knockout round in 2018. However, that good home record hasn't lifted them out of the bottom half of the table. And we'll take a look at their most recent campaign in 2022. Yeah, so they were among the bottom 28 ranked teams that were required to play that first uh, round one of three, this preliminary knockout round. Um, their FIFA ranking was 147, while Malawi was ranked 126. Um, the first leg of this matchup at home was a goalless draw, um, and then they lost on a single goal, a penalty in the 81st minute in the second leg to be eliminated in that preliminary knockout round. Oh, well, that's too bad. Okay, uh, well, we'll turn our attention to African Cup, where we said they've done a little bit better. So... 
Uh, success in African Cup was slow in coming. This is an overview uh, before we get into our deep dive on qualification. And I'll start again. Success in African Cup play was slow in coming with only the odd draw from 1994 to 2006. They went undefeated at home in 2008 but still finished last. That made 2012 a shocking success when uh, they won a group and qualified for the African Cup. Uh, they lost all games once there. Uh, a 0-1 loss to Ghana in the opener was respectful, but a 6-1 loss to Guinea, uh, embarrassing. Uh, and since then, they've only grown further from the Cup. So let's take a look at their African Cup history in detail. Uh, um, divided into three parts. So the first part is 1994 to 2004. Their first entry was in 1994, and their uh, their preliminary round with Lesotho started well with an away draw. However, they lost 4-0 to the weak Lesotho at home, and they were out. In 1996, they went directly into a group group of six, but they lost eight of their ten games and managed only uh, home and away draws with Namibia, who finished above them. It was Namibia who knocked them out in a 1998 preliminary. Uh, They went scoreless at home there, but they were crushed by Namibia 6-0 in the away leg. Uh, They lost lost at the first step in the following two campaigns, bested by Mozambique in 2000 and trading home wins with Madagascar in 2002. The uh, The first leg was their first home win, in either World Cup or African Cup qualifying, but then Madagascar did better in the second leg and advanced on goal difference. All right, the next section covers 2004 to 2010. 2004 saw them in a group qualification again, and they did a bit better, earning three draws, one against each of the other teams in the group, including away in Libya. Uh, It still meant last place, though. 2006 African Cup entry was based on World Cup qualifying results for that year, um, and they showed improvement, beating Kenya at home and Malawi home and away to finish ahead of them. Uh, But fifth in the group was not enough to reach the Cup, and nor was their last place finish in 2010 World Cup qualification, Um, also the entry into that year's African Cup. In between in 2008, they were undefeated at home, tying group winners Egypt. Um, They were unfortunate to finish last, but Mauritania, uh, Burundi, and they were all tied on seven points uh, for second place, but they had the worst goal difference. All right. So that brings us to the last section, 2012 to uh, to 2017. So uh, they have been growing more competitive, as we could see there, uh, at least among lesser teams. But nothing predicted the campaign in 2012, which started uh, with a shocking win in Tunisia. Uh, They went undefeated to the end, including a home win in Tunisia and winning rather than tying most games until the end when they lost in Togo. Uh, That didn't matter, though. It was first place in a glorious campaign. Uh, But they didn't maintain that form in the Cup, losing all games nor after the cup, um, where after receiving buys uh, through to the final round in 2013, they lost both legs to Mali. 2015 started well, winning two knockout rounds over Burundi and uh, Guinea-Bissau, besting both of them, 
but they earned only a draw in a very tough group stage with Senegal, Egypt, and Tunisia. Uh, the draw at home to Tunisia, uh, yeah, the draw at home to Tunisia, uh, haunting them anew. 2017 saw home wins over group winners Burkina Faso and Comoros, uh, but they finished third in the group uh, ahead of Comoros there. All right, so uh, no African Cup since that great performance in 2012. Let's see if they've managed recently. Um, 2019, unfortunately, they gave a terrible performance, managing only a single point uh, from a fairly easy group. Um, however, at that point, a home win with Burkina Faso dictated affairs and served to knock those favorites, Burkina Faso, out of qualification. That's right. Uh, it was a home uh, tie rather than a win, but um, a tie that did a lot of damage. Uh, okay, so not great for them there. Let's go to the most recent African Cup and see how they did. Well, a draw in Zimbabwe in their opener gave promise of a competitive campaign, um, but their only other point game was a home win over third place Zambia, um, and they were no match for group winners Algeria, so they did finish last in their qualifying group. Yes, and Zambia finished third. <laughs> My favorite team in Africa. You've been to Zambia too, haven't you? I haven't. I've looked across oh. the river at it, but <laughs> but didn't, didn't make it there. All right. Well, let's take a look at the uh, players of Botswana. And uh, anything jumping out at you there? Um, they've only scored three goals and none in 2022 qualifying. Uh, right, yeah. And uh, I actually see that the, the, the player list for them here uh, list players for the two, 2022 Kosada Cup. And as I've been suspecting, uh, even the weak teams are not sending their they're kind of uh, top players there. Um, it seems like they kind of use it as a development competition. Uh, and really, uh, there's there's not a lot of players to speak of. Uh, the players that do well uh, kind of move on, usually to South Africa, uh, but they also have a couple playing in uh, Morocco. Uh, otherwise, all of them play in um, uh, all of them play in Botswana and. Um, yeah, it seems like um, uh, the the biggest veterans, uh, Cabello uh, Sekanyang, I'm just kind of trying my best on that, uh, is a most cap player with 46 caps. He's one of the guys that plays in um, uh, in Morocco, so uh, they don't have a lot of uh, outstanding players. Uh, Outstanding players. Uh, Joel uh, Mogarossi actually is a familiar name. He has 92 caps for them, but he he last played in 2019, so he seems to be retired now. All right, let's finish with a summary and um, uh, a review of their form. So they were very weak from their start in the 1990s, falling in preliminary rounds even to weak teams. They became a bit more competitive around 2006, earning a smattering of points in their group campaigns, uh, even off some of the strongest teams. And nothing predicted the dominant campaign of 2012, but it went as it came. It lingered long enough to provide uh, a few points in their campaigns, or perhaps enough to keep them off the bottom. 
but recently it's kind of come for also full circle uh with early round knockouts in the world cups and a feeble campaign uh in especially the 2019 african cup yeah perhaps it's too soon to say that they have come full circle to being a feeble team because they did earn a smattering of points in 2021 african cup qualifying um, they also earned second place in their local cup, the Kosafa Cup, in 2019, uh, matching their best result ever in that cup and beating South Africa along the way, um, though Botswana was poor there in 2021. Um, they can be a tough team at home and seem to delight in taking points off the big teams, as they have done with Democratic Republic of the Congo, Mali, Ivory Coast, Egypt, uh, and particularly Tunisia and Burkina Faso. Um, but they're less consistent there than most African teams, dropping some points to weak teams, as you mentioned. Um, generally, though, their form in major competition has declined in recent years. Right. And uh, that brings us to the end of Botswana. And we're going to move on to part three of the podcast, uh, a kind of a comparison of teams and uh, a look at how how they're going to do and how they have done in this campaign so far. So we begin with the the, the FIFA and the ELO rankings. you want to take us through that, Kiara? Sure. Yeah, so Tunisia is our pot one team, um, and they are ranked 30th by FIFA and 45th by ELO. Right, and uh, in uh, ELO rankings, they sunk as low as 80th in uh, 2013. And they're quite different than the FIFA rankings. When they were 80th um, in the ELO, ELO rankings, they were 48th in FIFA rankings, which is not so bad. Uh, and they jumped up to uh, somewhere around 20th in both 2014 and 2018. FIFA rankings are kind of erratic. And honestly, I think they seem to be overrating them here too. Uh, okay, <laughs> Equatorial Guinea. Um, so being the pot two team, um, they are ranked 99th by FIFA and 95th by ELO. Uh, that's right, and that's a big improvement. Uh, they, they have risen kind of steadily uh, over the years. In 2006, they were 162nd uh, in ELO, and uh, kind of like we said with Tunisia, they've kind of been all over the place. Uh, in the FIFA rankings, rising as high as uh, 50 in 2015 when they hosted, but honestly, they're not uh, they're not quite there. So these rankings seem fairly accurate. Uh, moving on to Libya. Yeah, Libya coming from pot three are ranked 118th uh, by FIFA and 117th by ELO. All right. Well, that is almost an all-time low for Libya, and they're really should be a better team than that but they haven't been a better team since uh, around uh, for the last 10 years i would say in june 2012 they were 66th in elo rankings and 42nd in um in fifa rankings so really kind of at a low point of their career with a long week period uh, for the last 10 years yeah let's go to botswana so Botswana is coming from pot four, and they're ranked 148th by FIFA and 134th by ELO. Right. And uh, they reached a high of around 100 in 2012. I guess that was because of that really good campaign there. Uh, but they've rarely broken 100, even during that good period. All right. Let's take a look at the head-to-head -head records. 
So we'll begin with uh, Tunisia and Equatorial Guinea. How do they compare? Yeah, so Tunisia has the winning record with four wins, one tie, and two losses. Yeah, and all of those games are actually uh, current since 2014. And um, in the last two campaigns they've met, 2021 uh, African Cup qualifying and 2022 World Cup qualifying, and Tunisia has won three out of the four meetings there. Uh, next. So Tunisia versus Libya. Um, Tunisia also has the winning record with five wins, one tie, and three losses. Right, and a lot of those games were in the past and probably not relevant anymore, but they've met uh, four times. Uh, again, in 2018, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Kiera, but uh, in 2021, uh, African Cup qualifying, three of these teams were in the same group. It was uh, Tunisia, Equatorial Guinea, and Libya. Mm-hmm. So uh, they've met uh, Tunisia and Libya have three times since, or, or sorry, in two campaigns since 2018, and uh, Tunisia won three and tied one in recent times. Um, so the next matchup is Tunisia and Botswana, and the record here is um, three wins, one tie, and two losses. Yeah, and actually, uh, yeah, Botswana, we we, we saw they uh, harrowed uh, Tunisia in 2012 and then tied them in 2015. But, uh, and that might, uh, <coughs> might factor in here. Maybe uh, they're a bit of a bogey team for Tunisia. But having said that, Tunisia still has the winning record and the two haven't met since 2015. Um, next is Equatorial Guinea and Libya, um, with Equatorial Guinea having the winning record of three wins, no ties, and no losses. Right, and uh, they were in a group in 2021, and Equatorial Guinea won both legs there. Yeah. Um, Equatorial Guinea versus Botswana. Um, we have no record because they haven't played each other in major competition. That's right. And uh, one more to go. Yeah, last but not least is Libya versus Botswana, um, where Libya has one win, one tie, and no losses. Right, and that was in 2004, so uh, not particularly relevant. Now let's get on with the discussion about uh, how we think things are going to go here. And you have kind of some opening comments or overview. Yeah, I think this should be a fairly easy group for Tunisia. Um, they're in a good period of consistency, and that is what's needed here um, with no top teams to contend with. Um, Equatorial Guinea could challenge them at the game level, um, but are less likely to do so at the campaign level. Um, the form they bring in should be enough to advance, um, as neither are threatened much from, um, from below. Libya's been in poor form for a while, um, and Botswana is generally a weak team anyways, and they're also um, on a bit of a downswing in form. Uh, both have had campaigns that could challenge at the top, but uh, they've been rare enough that it doesn't seem likely. Yeah, that's right. And to go into a bit more detail, Tunisia, they, they weren't troubled by Equatorial Guinea uh, when they were grouped with them in 2021. And they are 50 to 60 points ahead in the rankings. So Equatorial Guinea can be a tricky team. Uh, Iban Salvador, the trickiest member of that tricky team. And they did beat Tunisia in one of their four recent meetings. 
Uh, and they also actually won in the quarterfinals of the 2015 African Cup, uh, where they hosted. They won that in extra time. Uh, but Tunisia has won three of their four recent meetings, and uh, the loss in 2021 didn't affect Tunisia's campaign overall. Uh, Equatorial Guinea themselves are about 20 points ahead of Libya in the rankings, uh, replicating the home form there and in 2022 uh, World Cup campaign, uh, maybe enough to see them into the second round, even, even if they're um, not at their best, they should take second. But uh, their away form is really the key. Uh, they were weak before their two good recent campaigns, and it's questionable uh, we saw that they rose up from being a pot four team to a, a, a pot two team uh, pot meeting, meaning the seeding. So uh, it's a fairly recent improvement and uh, they would need to kind of maintain that. Um, okay, Libya, honestly, Kiera, to me, Libya always feels like a bit of a black box. I never uh, find it easy to put a finger on them. Their campaigns range from good challenging campaigns to weak campaigns. But for a long time now, they've been mostly on the weekend, uh, on the weak side of that since 2014. Uh, consistent third place finishes and then fourth place in 2021. Uh, I wonder if they'll kind of wake up from their torpor. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't predict that. Uh, a third place finish, perhaps even battling to avoid last place, uh, seems like the only sensible prediction. Mm -hmm. They're actually 20 to 30 points ahead of Botswana in the rankings. And uh, Botswana, when they have a shockingly strong campaign like they did in 2012, you're always wondering if they can kind of do it again. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't think they'll actually do it again and dominate this group uh, that they did. But it is kind of fun that Tunisia is in the group and they, they, uh, kind of harrowed them that time so um it's a bit of a bogey team for tunisia and they're always good for a few points in their campaign so uh that did turn out to be a flash in the pan for botswana uh and they've been a declining kind of middling team uh recently even a weak team but um who knows the worm could turn i, I don't know what that expression actually means the worm turning but uh they they could come forth with a great campaign um or it's, it's always a possibility so uh overall um uh i think libya and botswana will take some points at home but i don't think they'll threaten the top two do you have a prediction for this group yeah I i'm think tired of your indecision kiera <laughs> give it to me straight okay here's what i think and i don't think it's going to be a big surprise um, Tunisia, I think, will come out on top. Equatorial Guinea second, uh, Libya third, and then Botswana. So I'm, I agree with the rankings. I thought you'd be loyal to Botswana and predicting yeah. another campaign like 2012. I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, but but I I don't know if they can pull it off. All right. Well, I agree with you on that prediction. Uh, I think honestly, the only contentious one there is third place, where uh, uh, possibly Botswana could could overtake Libya. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I don't know the results, uh, uh, what's happened so far. I'm very excited to find out. But we're going to kind of predict uh, game by game here. And the first one is that third, fourth place battle between Libya and Botswana. But I think with Libya at home, there's uh, 
there's little doubt about it. Maybe you can tell me if they actually are playing that game at home or whether it's in a, a different venue. Um, but I'm going to say Libya 2-0, uh, regardless of whether it's in Libya or or in, say, Tunisia or Egypt. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't have the at my fingers as to where exactly the game was played. Okay, maybe uh, we can come on. back to that. Let's see. It is, yeah, it was in Libya. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, Libyan football stadium. There we go. Um, yeah, and so you you predicted two nothing. Yeah. Um, it was a win for Libya, but just one nothing. One nothing. All right. Well, your your hopes of Botswana overthrowing things here are uh, not looking good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tunisia and Equatorial Guinea. I'll make it quick. Uh, Equatorial Guinea always capable of a surprise, but I don't think they'll do so here. So two nothing for Tunisia. Um, Tunisia did get the win, but it was actually a four nothing. Um, so very convincing. Yeah, good consistency, and Tunisia has been uh, more consistent of late. So obviously that puts Tunisia on top after round one, and in round two we have uh, Botswana. Uh, at home uh, to Tunisia. Now, I mean, any sensible person would... would and odds makers do uh, give heavy odds uh, on Tunisia for games uh, like this, but they make a mistake because uh, even small teams can, can pull off a tie in Africa. Botswana is very strong at home. Uh, so I'm almost tempted to predict a tie, but Tunisia have been very consistent, so... Uh, I'm going to say 2-1 Tunisia with the possibility of a tie. Well, um, you did talk about Botswana being Tunisia's bogey team, and, and uh, it did indeed end in a tie at 0-0. Uh, 0-0. You know, if I was a betting man, uh, it would be African soccer like this that I'd put their money on because I've seen odds, uh, you know, like – Eighteen dollars uh, for Botswana to get a point, and and I think I would be rich if I did it. <laughs> but I'm not a betting man. Uh, great result for Botswana there. They continue to to torment Tunisia, and uh, Equatorial Guinea versus Libya is the next game. Um, and uh, well, gee, with Equatorial Guinea um, doing that badly in their first game, I wonder if they're looking a bit weaker here. I think there's a possibility of Libya pulling off a tie, but they've been too weak over the last while. So I'm going to say two, uh, uh, two, I'm going to say two nothing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Two nothing. And Equatorial Guinea did have the home home field advantage. There. Right. Yeah, that, that was really the deciding factor. I was really uh, struggling to figure out whether Libya would get a goal but they're not a big scoring team. Okay, so how are things looking after the first uh, two sets, Kiera? Um, so nothing too unexpected. Um, Tunisia is, of course, on top with four points. Um, Equatorial Guinea and Libya um, tied with three points each. Um, and then Botswana with the one point. A one point, but a glorious point. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, thanks so much, Kiera, for joining today. Yeah, thank you. All right, and we will see you for the next group. Uh, uh, group. Um, well, we will see you next time. All the best. Bye. Bye.